Formation, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Tyler here. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly, where each week we take an opportunity to explain the whys behind what we do as a church family. This week, we want to have a brief conversation about why we don't practice what is often referred to as formal church membership. Now, when we use the phrase formal church membership, typically what that entails in some churches, including ones that you and I have both been a part of and led, Mm -hmm. is uh, oftentimes a class series that is going to cover primarily the doctrine of the church, um, both open-handed and closed-handed issues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, closed-handed issues, an example of that would be like, we believe that Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We don't believe that as Christians, we can disagree about that Mm -hmm. and be Christians because they are primary to our faith. But we both know there's a ton of open-handed issues too. Like the function of spiritual gifts within the church uh, would be an example that Mm -hmm. for years, there's just... In across denominations, there's a lot of diverging opinion about that sure. and conviction. And so what we would say, well, that's open-handed. Sure. So here's where we land as a church, like, and as leaders, this is where we have decided that we are going to stand as a church. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stand in that same place. You don't have to believe in the same way. But we have this shared agreement that we are not going to breed dissent. We're not going to teach a contrary conviction, but, but we don't have to agree on this. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason that that's helpful uh, is because, you know, the church doesn't operate like kind of your local government. You mm-hmm. know, if, if uh, the school board's going a different direction than you want or the city and you don't think there's enough stoplights or whatever, you're going to work to find a candidate that will stoplight up everywhere and like that change can happen. Yeah. Uh, that's not really the way that it works in the church. Mm-hmm. Typically, a lot of these open-handed issues are things that um, have some deep conviction and that of the leader's uh, sometimes it's a denomination. If you're non-denominational like we are, it's the local leadership that determines mm-hmm. here's what we believe about these things. And it's not really something where like a group of people get together and it's sort of the majority rules and that type of thing. It's more really about like, this is who we are. Yeah. And so the reason those things can be helpful mm-hmm. is that they help people know like, oh, okay, so uh, this church doesn't align with where I believe on spiritual gifts, like Mm -hmm. you said. And so then therefore I should keep looking for a church that does better align with Mm -hmm. the things I think and feel because the likelihood that church will change. I'm not saying it's never happened. I could name off a couple that do, but it's pretty slim. And I think even the theological things, there's even like protocol things, you know, churches have different opinions as far as like, who's allowed to rent and use their church building and yeah. and just what music do they play before and after service and yep. all of that. So there's a lot of things like that, that each church kind of determines how they want to move forward. And a lot right. of that is communicated through that membership process. Right. An exception would be in certain denominations that are what is called congregational in nature, mm-hmm. where people do go through this process and then they are given, and this is a model that is, I, I would argue, is not taken from the pages of the New Testament, but is structured after the democratic model. Sure where people have done the class, they've gone through an interview with the pastors or the leaders, and they've signed an actual covenant, here's what we're going to believe, here's how we're going to behave, and then they have, I mean, literally, in some cases, voting rights on sure. what happens in the church. That's not who we are, Sure. Um, and as to your point, that's not the way that we are led. So we'll have future conversation about that for sure, but typically when we talk about formal church membership, that's the process that we're talking about, a series of classes that outline all of these things that 
then an interview with a pastor or a leader in the church or leaders, and then a covenant that is signed. Mm -hmm. So we've chosen not to do that in this iteration of ministry together. Now, full disclosure, when when we planted Redemption in Chicago, as we have a handful of members in our church that were a part of that too, we did have, and they still do have, I believe, formal church membership in place. There's a lot of pros to it for sure, Mm -hmm. but we have made the decision not to pursue that uh, really for two reasons. One's theological, and then the other is more contextual in nature. So the theological one is we don't see it prescribed in the New Testament, meaning there is no verse that says thou shalt have people attend a five-class series covering, like that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. And, and if it does, I have a, I know a few churches that need to cut down the number of classes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh, what's the most that you've seen? Ten. Ten classes? Mm-hmm. Holy moly. And they're moly. two hours apiece. Mm-hmm. That's like a seminary class at mm-hmm. that point. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there's uh, probably at least some people listening going, well, thank God we don't have that. Yep. <laughs> so, so we don't see it described uh, or prescribed, I'm sorry, but we also don't see it described, meaning I'm unaware of and this is after reading the New Testament, I've lost count how many times. There's no story or example of this sort of formal process that people are walking through sure. coming to a place that culminates in you know being a formal member of yeah. the local church. Being more of a member than <clears throat> just being a Christian makes you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's the first reason. The first one's theological. The second one is much more contextual. As yeah. everybody who lives in Utah knows, we live in what I would describe as a very religiously legalistic cultural context. Mm-hmm. And so within the culture here, this kind of formal membership thing is extremely heavy handed, can be very oppressive, has mm-hmm. been even abusive at times, pushing people. And our, by and large, we, we do everything we can to never push people mm-hmm. at our church. Like yeah. we, we are high invitation, low push yep. is the way I would describe yep. it. And so, um, and so for those two reasons, we've just really tried to differentiate ourselves from the culture that we're in by saying, Hey, like we, we believe there are biblical expectations for how to participate in the local church, but we don't have this formal process that culminates in you signing a covenant, if you will. For sure. So that being said, even though we don't have formal membership, we do have a set of shared rhythms that, at least in the language that we use as of late, we we describe as full participation. Mm-hmm. So this is five things that if you are going to fully participate in the life of Formation Church, these these are the five things. Mm-hmm. So the first one is that you have your own personal commitment to sitting with God, mm-hmm. which other people might refer to that as a devotional life or a quiet time. Sure. Um, and I really think about it in my own life as a time that I spend daily where I literally do sit down to just be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we believe that's an essential, it can take a lot of different forms, but that sitting with Jesus, having a personal relationship with him is an essential component to full participate participation in the local church because yeah. our church is about relationship with Jesus. Sure. Uh, a second thing would be that you attend mm-hmm. regularly, you know, and I mean, every church has this, we do too. We have people that we see once a month, once every couple months. Our posture is, I don't, I don't think that we have ever shamed anyone or beat anyone up about that. Obviously, we want people to be here all the time because we're mm-hmm. here every Sunday. Yeah. Um, but, but that being said, um, we really believe that to fully participate, 
that that what we do together on Sundays in worship is essential. Sure. Yeah, that you're uh, missing is like the exception, not the rule. That yeah. There's like, it's not like, ooh, I could go to brunch or go to church, and I'm not sure. Right. And I'm not saying you've never missed church for brunch. I'm just saying that there's it's not, not the pattern. Yeah, that there's not a weekly like contention for your Sunday morning 10 a.m. slot. Right. That it's... Uh, or, can, yeah, contention. No, I don't know. Yeah, like competition. Works. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. That that that's your priority. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Uh, a third one would be that you serve in mm-hmm. on you know on, on one of our teams on Sunday. We, yep. we are still, um, with the exception of me, a volunteer led mm-hmm. church, and and so as a result of that, we just need everyone who's going to call this place home to serve in some capacity. And this yeah. is in addition to like, you know, people host meetups and people do like we have some people that come in and help with some stuff throughout the week administratively, totally. and we're super thankful. All of that's essential as well. But when we use the term serve yeah. in our context, we're specifically talking about we need people to serve on Sunday morning so that our shared worship service can actually happen. Totally. And I think that is both something that we feel like is it's great for everyone to participate in like serving the body in Mm -hmm. that way. And it's just like real practical. Like we've always had the stance that whatever ministry people need or want, um, they have to be willing to like participate and pull off because we don't have a ton of money. And we also like don't have the ability to just kind of find people out of nowhere who are Christians and are willing to take pay, but also will miss church. Like for example, in the kids ministry, something like that. Um, and so I think that it's, it's just something that like, it, uh, it really reminds me, you know, we use like familial language with our family mm-hmm. or with our church, we're a family. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being young, my dad always saying, well, you know, you're a part of this family and in the family, everybody has to do their part. And because I was like the, the living room cleaner and the garbage taker outer. Right. And as a young person, I would regularly say why. Yeah. And like a broken record, that was his answer. Yep. You're a part of this family and you do your part. And so some of that uh, for us in this season, especially is due to, we just need everyone to do their part. Yep. And a real time example would be at the time of recording this, this past Sunday, we had none of our worship leaders available mm-hmm. um, because of sickness and canceled travel and capacity and all of that. And so as a result, we didn't have a band Yeah. and I led two songs a cappella which is one of the more awkward things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's the first time actually, and I was thinking about it in 22 years of leading worship services where like everybody was unavailable at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And so that's an example of like, so we didn't have We didn't singing. call 1-800 worship leaders. <laughs> right. That's not a thing. And if, if that was a thing, they definitely don't have a branch in Utah. That's right. For that's sure. Right. So service is another one. Uh, a fourth would be formation groups, Yeah. which is something that, Either we have or we'll talk more about in the future, but these are uh, men and women living in the open together for the shared purpose of growing in Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. So they meet a minimum of one time a month to just basically share their faith journey with mm-hmm. a few other people. And we've got a distinct process that we'll that we're continuing to teach through and helping people understand and all of that goes into what makes up a formation group. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing would be that people would participate through giving as we talk about and take an offering in our service every single week. Mm-hmm. So those are the five main things, sitting with God, attending, serving, being in a formation group and giving. Sure. Those are the five things that make up in our minds full participation in the life of our church. Yep. And so when it comes to 
you know, when we are going through some transition like we've just gone through, moving into our space here, mm-hmm. or the shift from ridgeline to formation church, mm-hmm. church, that's the, the 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 people who are fully invested, fully participating, those are the people that we try to sit down, talk through, and uh, and work through those things together. Totally. That makes sense? Yep. Anything you'd add to that in closing? I don't think so. Okay, cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this edition of The Weekly. If there's something that we do that you'd like to better understand the why behind, send us that question at info at formationslc.com. But until next week, we love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you this Sunday.